الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد My dear brothers and sisters, our dear friends We have a very short time, between Asr and Maghrib is very short time, tomorrow it's going to be even less time So I just want to take one very small topic It's actually a big topic but I'm going to cover it um, very quickly The topic uh, is a very common issue But uh, I'm not sure if it's covered directly like this The topic is about hatred Hatred in Arabic is called hikt In Arabic is called hikt, hatred What exactly is hatred? Hatred is to harbor feelings of animosity and contempt and to force oneself to consider somebody to be unbearable then to avoid them and to despise them so hatred are these feelings it is a feeling of animosity in the heart a feeling of contempt for somebody to force oneself to consider that somebody else is just unbearable and to avoid them and to despise them now sometimes there is a problem in the other person which may cause you to feel this way but many times there's no problem it's just shaitan and it's just bad nafs and bad opinion that is creating this the hater the one who has the hatred, he's called the hater He desires, generally speaking When you hate somebody, you generally desire evil and harm for that person Every time you see him now, Can you see how bad that is? Because if you hate another Muslim brother Every time you come to the masjid and you see him, you're going to start hating him You're going to desire evil for him and you're doing this in the masjid if he happens to stand close to you, or you've just seen him before you've joined the Salat, you're going to start feeling this in the Salat as well. That's what hatred does. It overtakes you. It overwhelms you. So every time you see that person, or every time you think of that person, you will desire evil or harm for that person. So what is the hukam of hatred? It is haram. In most cases, it is haram. In some cases, it's not haram. But in most cases, hatred, to have hatred for somebody, to hate somebody is haram. This is if it is not due to oppression from that person. If somebody is oppressing you and you hate them for that reason, then you may be justified. Then it's not haram because the person is causing you to hate them. But if it's not for the sake of oppression, but rather due to a right or just cause on the person you hate such as he commands you to do good he tells you good things but you don't like it he tells you in a nice way as well what most people will consider to be nice I know if somebody tells you in the wrong way then I know that can turn people off and that's actually not right to do if I see somebody doing wrong I need to be as wise as possible in correcting that person I need to try to think in my heart how can I be, how can I effectively and efficiently correct that person? Not, how can I just say you're wrong and you shouldn't do this and walk away? Because that's not the point. The point is, how can I change this person? How can I make them understand? 
So there's a whole step-by-step -step process to do that, which are called the laws of Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahi anil Munkar. I've got a detailed lecture on that on zamzamacademy.com. I don't want to cover that today because we have less time. So, if it is due to oppression from the other person, then it is not unlawful. They're always troubling you. They're always blasting the music. They are always saying bad things to you. They're throwing rubbish into your house, into your yard, into your garden. They're troubling your family. And so on and so on, graffiti and all the rest of it. Now while this is justified hatred, the higher level would be not to have hatred even in that case. But at least from a human being perspective, Allah has allowed that much that if you hate somebody who oppresses you, then you're not going to be sinful for that. Because it's just fair, this is justice. Now, if it is due to oppression from the other person, because the other person does dhulm, then as I said, it is lawful, right? And it's not haram. Now, if he is able to take his right from that, like if somebody is oppressing you in the sense that they have some money of yours, <coughs> some land of yours, some rights of yours which they're not giving to you. Right? The inheritance was distributed and unfortunately many families suffer this plague. Somebody didn't distribute it correctly. Somebody has usurped somebody else's right. Or you gave somebody something to borrow and they haven't returned it. You've loaned somebody money and it's been five years and they don't give it back to you. So clearly they can give it back to you. It's not that they can't. They're not, they're, 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 they are able to do so, but they refuse to do so. Because they're greedy. Or they just want to trouble you. Or something like that. So now, this is a, a case where you don't like somebody because they're withholding your right. In some cases, some people hate people for no reason whatsoever. Which is the weirdest one. Because the way somebody looks, you don't like them and you hate them. They've done nothing wrong to you, it's just the way they look. Maybe they talk too loudly. But it doesn't bother you, it's just that you don't like them because he talks too loudly. Or he does a lot of panchat. Right? Not about you, but you know, I mean, those people shouldn't do that anyway, but sometimes it's just for no reason. Shaitan just wants to create problems. So you don't like the way somebody looks or where somebody lives or whatever the case is, so you just start hating them. And then the shaitan creates ideas in your mind. There's one person, he's hardly ever spoken to the other person. There's two people. One is an imam, the other one is one of the musallis in the masjid. They've never spoken to each other, hardly ever. But a third person who was sitting with one of these musallis, one of these members of the masjid, congregation that member was saying that that particular individual was saying that I don't like the Imam for eight reasons half of them so he said okay tell me what your eight reasons are so he mentioned it to him half of them were made up that just somebody said so somebody mentioned something so he's believed it he's never spoken to this Imam never spoken to this Imam he may have just done salam once or twice, that's it. He's never had any conversation, never any altercation, no conversation, nothing. 
This is what shaitan does. You have to be very careful why you dislike somebody. Why do people dislike Muslims today? The Islamophobes. Do you really think they've got something on us? Do you think that the general Muslim they see in the street has a problem? No. It's just the media has fed them in, fed them that story. And they can't bother. People are lazy. They don't go and verify information. So they just agree with it. It's easier to do that. It's lazy. It's easier just to, okay, fine. We hate them as well. Especially if you've got some other reasons. This is the difficulty. This is what human, human difficulty is. Now, on the other hand, if, if it's because somebody has a right of yours and they don't give it to you, now you're allowed, to, meaning you, it's not haram to have hatred for this person. But there's a few conditions here. In this case as well, if you are willing to leave your right to the day of judgment and not hate this person and forgive this person, then that is superior. Because Islam always tells you the better way. If you forgive, then it is superior for you. Even though you've got ability. Now, one is that you can't take your right from this person. There's no way. Right? You're at the mercy. Then in that case, it's a different issue. But if you have the right to take it back, but you still decide, okay, I'm going to leave it for the sake of Allah. I'm not going to do anything. Then that is a higher level. That's why he says that that you pardon is nearer to piety. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. If, you, if you're not able to take your right, then you've you got no other option. Your best bet is to actually leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anyway. Because there's no point complaining about it because you can't get it anyway. There's no way you can get it. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ إِنْتَصَرَ بَعْدَ ظُلْمِهِ Those who defend, the, the one who defends himself after having been oppressed. For such people there is no path to blame. If you have been oppressed and you try to defend yourself for that reason, then there is no blame for that. However, defending oneself could be more meritorious in some cases. It's better to defend yourself and to do something about it than to forgive. So while in most cases to forgive is better, you'll get more reward for it and Allah will raise your status. But in some cases, it's actually better to take it all the way and to defend yourself. Why do you think that will be the case? If this person is such that they will trouble too many other people as well. They're going to trouble other people as well. You've got a case on them, you should take it so that it will stop the person from causing other people harm as well. But if it's a small personal issue and you know that it's not going to affect anybody else, then it's generally better to leave it to Allah. Allah will give you a huge amount back in return. But sometimes as a cure for everybody else and to help everybody else, you should take back revenge. So for example, that's why he says, sometimes defending oneself could be more rewarding than pardoning them due to an extraneous factor. Such as if pardoning would lead them to more oppression. They're only going to get more courageous to oppress people because nobody's doing anything. Everybody's too laid back. Everybody's too scared. This is how these exhaustion rackets and all of these things, this is how they, uh, how they grow in areas where nobody does anything. While defending oneself could lead to its lessening. In any case, if the oppressed one, now this is what you have to be careful about. When you 
try to get your right back or you do something in return, you have to be very careful how much you take back. Has anybody read the, the Merchant of Venice? Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. The whole story there is about how much revenge you can take. Somebody's cut off this much of your limb, then how are you going to justifiably only take revenge of exactly that much? Because that's what you're allowed to do. Anything beyond that is going to be now excess of yours against them. Before they exceeded against you. Now when you're taking revenge, if somebody called you a particular name, a swear word, a curse, an insult, you're allowed to say that same word back. But if you said it in a worse way, then you will be in trouble. You've just done a bit extra. So how can you insult them in the same way? If somebody insulted me in front of two people, but then I came into the masjid and insulted me in front of a hundred people, I said the same words. Which is worse? It depends. The hundred people may not bother. Those two people might be very important for that person. It depends. So you can never know. You have to think about these things. That's why it's always better not to. Especially if somebody curses you, it's better to leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will deal with it. And Allah has unlimited ways of dealing with people. I'm sure there's lots of people who are maybe sitting here or listening who have been wronged by people. If you go and try to take revenge for everything that somebody does wrong to us, our whole life will be spent in doing that. It's just no point. And you won't sleep right. It's torment of the soul. That's what he says as well. He says, the disasters of hatred. Right? Let us look at, if you do have hatred for somebody, even if it's justified, what are the disasters? Why is it such a problem? The disasters of hatred, meaning its harms and evils, are numerous. Among them are the following. Hatred for somebody will cause you to be jealous of them. If anything good happens to them, like your neighbor, or a, a person you know, a colleague at work, your brother, your cousin, your brother-in-law, I don't know, somebody, right? They've just got a promotion at work. You're going to have jealousy. And jealousy is a bad thing. So hatred leads to jealousy. Number two, it's going to lead to, I mean the word, I think it's a German term, Schadenfreude, which basically means to rejoice at another's misfortune. English doesn't have a single term for it, so we have to borrow it from German. I think it's Schadenfreude they call it. When you rejoice at somebody else's misfortune, when something bad happens, you start laughing. This is what Musa salam, when he came back, and he told his brother Harun salam, why didn't you stop the people when they made that golden calf? So his brother said, one of the ways he told him, uh, he responded to him, don't make people laugh at our misfortune. Right? Like, take it easy right now. Right? So you will start being pleased at their misfortune. Now, that's not allowed, even if you hate somebody. You hate them for a particular reason, but if they have a misfortune, why should you get happy about that? Unless it's a misfortune related to their oppression. Right? It backfired. That's different. That's very specific. 
you will start shunning that person. You will start belittling that person. When somebody talks to you about them, you'll make a face about them, you'll say bad things about them, you'll turn your nose up at them, or whatever the case is. You will start lying about them. Because in order to harm them, and you don't have enough on them, you'll start lying about them and making things up about them. Now you can see where we're doing dhulm now, where it leads to us doing dhulm now. You'll start backbiting them, slandering them, divulging their secrets, which is not allowed. Yes, if it's to do with this, that they, they deceive people in a particular, and that's why they deceived you, and that's why you don't like them. If you tell people about that, that's allowed. But for anything else, which has got nothing to do with this, that's not allowed. It has to be very specific. A lot of people don't know that shaitan leads us to think everything is halal for, the, for you now, with that person. You will start mocking that person. You, will, you could even start harming them. Scratch his car. Some people are going to scratch their car. Some people put in a bad word. If, he, if, uh, you know, if he's trying to get a job, you'll give a bad reference. Whereas at a job, he's completely fine. He's not harming anybody in the job. So you're not being honest. So you'll start harming him without just cause. You will not fulfill his right. Now what do you mean fulfill his right? What right does he have? He could be your neighbor. He could be your brother. It could be your sister. It could be your mother or father or children. Unfortunately, there's probably more likelihood, unfortunately, with some of the things that go on, that you start hating somebody in your family. If I, if I was to tell you to raise your hand if you've got no problem with any of your relatives, like you have absolutely no problem with any of your relatives, how many of you could put, your, put their hand up? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's about 20%. Come on, children, man, you shouldn't have a problem with your relatives. You guys are easy going, man. I think that's about 20, about 20%. That means the rest of us have some issue with, this, with somebody, whether it's their fault or our fault, or somebody has a problem with us. It's just really sad, isn't it? Inshallah, this will give us a better understanding of how and whether we should, as, as you can see, it's, it's just harmful. You won't fulfill their rights, such as kinship ties, right? You'll avoid their weddings, you'll avoid when they're sick. There's just so many things that are interlinked that's going to cause problems. Paying back debt, if, they, if, they, if I owe them something but I don't like them, I'm not going to pay, I'm going to mess around with my debt. Or I won't help to ward off oppression from them. If somebody else is harming them, I'll say, yeah, yeah, please do it. Right? And that could be unjustified. That's why there's a hadith in Sahih Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ said, when a servant pardons another, Allah does not increase him in anything except immense dignity. If you pardon somebody, even though you got the ability to take revenge, Allah will increase you in dignity. And I tell you, this is guaranteed. Allah watches everything. And if we pardon and forgive somebody, even though we got the right to take back revenge, Allah will honor us. And you will get back your honor that you feel you've lost here in, much, in a much better way. Um, just going back to hatred before we talk about, uh, before we finish off. Uh, the worst type of hatred is between husband and wife. It's not even allowed. How can you have hatred between husband and wife? 
You know, it is such a, because you're supposed to be close together. You're supposed to live together. And forget about this world. You're supposed to live together in Jannah. The only person you're going to live with in paradise is your spouse. Husband and wives are going to be together. I got a call from somebody recently. He's about 55, 60 years old. He's got old children now, mashallah. He's probably a grandparent. But the husband and wife hate each other. But they live in the same house. So I said, okay, why don't you divorce her? Like, you know, what's the reason? I can't divorce her because our children, we need khidma of our, we need our children to serve us. I can't get married again. And she can't get married again. And neither does she want a divorce and neither do I want a divorce. But we can't stand one another. And our children have to be there because they serve both of us because we're both sick and ill. What a state. So now, this was just before Ramadan, he was worried that they're living in the same place. So if he doesn't say salam to her and doesn't speak to her, avoids her in the house, then that's going to cause big problems because one of the uh, things which prevent uh, a person's du'as and uh, being accepted and mercy being received is when you have a problem with somebody. That's a very evil, it's a big evil. You, you don't get forgiveness. If you're not willing to forgive somebody else and correct your understanding with them, then why should Allah forgive us? So, I said, look, you just say salam. If she hates it, that's her problem. If she doesn't respond, that's her problem. Don't even look at it. Just say, Salaamu Alaikum. At least you fulfilled your right. Because there was no other way to get out of this. Can you live separately? No, we can't. Can you move separately? No, we can't. Like, it was all checkmate everywhere. Right? The only way was, this is how we're going to have to do this. So I said, well, you have to do Salaam then. Whether she likes it or not, maybe Allah will open up a door. Basically, a specific case of hatred that is specifically cautioned against in the sacred law is between husband and wife. There's a special emphasis that don't have hatred because the Prophet ﷺ said, let no believing man hate a believing woman, meaning his wife. La yafruq mu'minun mu'mina. If he dislikes some trait in her, he should surely like another. She can't all be bad. No human is 100% bad. There has to be some good thing. Maybe she's got a bad tongue, but maybe she cooks very well. If she cooks so badly, but maybe she's just such a nice person. You know, after 15, 20 years of marriage, everybody has defects, right? From the beginning, everybody has defects. But if you've managed it well, after 15, 20, 30 years of marriage as well, you know the weaknesses, you will be able to overlook them. If, you see, what people don't understand is they rush into these things. They've got such bad character that they have no sabr, they have no patience, they're not willing to forgive and tolerate. So, a healthy marriage is one predicted upon the prophetic ethic of focusing on the spouse's positive qualities. That's what the Prophet ﷺ said. If she's got a bad point, she's going to have a good point. Focus on the good ones. And don't let your parents make you focus on the bad ones. Because a lot of the time, it's the parents that make you focus on the bad ones. You're fine because she's got many qualities, but because there's this one quality that she doesn't talk too much, she's introverted, your dad doesn't like her. She doesn't talk. She's an introvert, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand? She's, she doesn't like talking too much, she doesn't talk to anybody. Right? It, it, this is a typical, they, they want somebody who's going to come and be like them. But 
humans are different, personalities are different. As long as she's not doing anything against you, as long as she's not shunning you, as long as she doesn't hate you, then Alhamdulillah, make it work. Help her open up. Don't start talking bad to your son about her, or the mother talking to the daughter about the husband. Right? He doesn't come to visit enough. Right? Invite them, make a special dawat. Right? There's ways to look at it. Moreover, Allah is fully able, you see, if somebody does it the prophetic way, which is to keep as much focus on the positive qualities, then this is what's going to happen. Allah is going to either fully diminish the negative traits of one spouse, either he will cause them to disappear and they will be rectified, or he will remove them from your thoughts. So either you won't be concerned about them anymore, You'll find a way to deal with them. Or he will remove them completely. He will correct them. Allah has the ability to do both. And I guarantee you, after having 20, 30 years of a successful marriage, all the wrongs, all the weaknesses, you don't bother about them anymore. You know how to deal with them. If you know that your spouse is a forgetful person, well, you'll just learn to deal with that. She's so good otherwise. He's so good otherwise. Okay, he's got that. Why should I keep nagging about that? Okay, if you nag once in a while, as a human being, that's understandable. May Allah forgive, and the spouses should forgive. But this is wonderful, isn't it? That if you focus on the positives, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will either make you blind to the negatives, or He will correct the negatives from the barakah of it. Because Allah wants husband and wives to be together. And that's why He said you're going to be together in Jannat as well. I just was worried about this guy who called me, you know, the one in the same house. I said, what are you going to do in Jannat? <laughs> right? What are you going to do in Jannat if you hate her so much right now? Well, there Allah Ta'ala removes all the hatred from the heart anyway. Before you go in Jannat, there's an extractor. Right? Before you go in Jannat, there's an extractor. It removes all of the hatred and jealousy and everything. Otherwise, you know, the men are promised more than one. The women will never be able to deal with that. But there is no jealousy in paradise. It's extracted. If you want to go to paradise, you have to go through this extractor. You can't have jealousy in paradise. May Allah bless them. May Allah bless them and bless all of us in our marriages. That's why the most powerful supplication and dua for your husband and wife relationship, believe me, this is works miracles, is Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurrata a'yun waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama. Keep reading this. If you've got problems with your spouse and you don't make any dua, maybe that's your problem. The dua is, our Lord, grant us spouses and children that are delight for our eyes. This is from the Quran. Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurrata a'yun waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama. That's the additional bonus. Oh Allah, make from our spouses and children those that are delight for our eyes and make us Imams of the muttaqeen, make us leaders of the righteous people. It's a wonderful dua, but it's one of my favorite duas. Because you want, you want to preserve your children, you want to preserve your spouse, and you want the best for them. Ask Allah with a Quranic dua. Everybody should do this, and inshallah, they will have. So, husband and wife hatred is not something you can even think about. Because you're there every day. You're sharing a bed, you're sharing the room, you're sharing everything. Okay, Shaykh Mustafa Al-Arusi, he comments that of the diseases of the soul, 
is its hatred for the one who harms it. Followed by desiring harm to befall that person. Finding pleasure in their misfortune, which I mentioned already. The cause of this disease is the soul's ignorance of its Lord. Why do you hate people? Generally, it's because we're ignorant of our own Lord insofar as it sees actions as emanating from the other person. This is a bit deep. In the sense that if we understand Allah, that He is behind everything, then if there's somebody who's doing something bad to you, we will know that there's a reason why Allah wants this to happen. So we will now remove the hatred from that person and the hatred will be diffused. We'll think, okay, there must be a grand plan here. I need to deal with this. This is deep. I mean, this is deep. This is complicated. But it's quite easy to understand once you get into the mode of it. Right? If you focus on Allah, then you know that there's, Allah has something in store here. Indeed, the heart is adamant. You see, the problem with the heart is that it wants instant victory. This prevents it from witnessing Allah's hand in this. Right? Because all harm is decreed by Allah as well. Just like all good is decreed by Allah. So such a person's heart remains steadfast and determined on exacting vengeance. And this is what you call hatred. And the problem is that aside from being sinful and a vile illness, hatred, it is a torment of one's own soul. You're going to trouble it. The other person may not even be troubled. He's only going to be in trouble when you do something to them. But otherwise, 24 hours, you're going to be in trouble. Every time you see him, you're going to be in trouble. He may not even notice. Because he may be easy, uh, what is it? Easy going. Right? Go lucky. He doesn't care. And you hate him. So you're harmed and he's not harmed. So the perpetual stress and anxiety is very detrimental to a person. And it provides no benefit at all, neither in this life, neither in the hereafter. It's not worth it. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to purify our hearts. Just like this is the month to purify our sins, our wrongdoings, our wrong addictions, gain control of our nafs. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also to not make us so sensitive. To remove that sensitivity that we hold grudges forever. We keep remembering things forever and just torment ourselves. We want that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to leave the matters to Him. That we leave the matters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah deals with it. It's much better to outsource all of our matters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He does it for free and He does it much more effectively than any of us can ever do it. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakdiyat al-jalali wal-ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا وهدنا وارزقنا اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من الشقاق والنفاق وسوء الأخلاق Oh Allah, this is the month of your mercy Month of your forgiveness Oh Allah, we ask you for your forgiveness Oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy We ask you for your blessings Oh Allah, forgive all of those sins that we've done whenever we have done them, whether we remember them or not. Oh Allah, we ask you especially forgiveness from those sins that bring misery into our lives and our homes. 
that turns people against one another, that creates ill will and hatred between us. Oh Allah, that removes the barakah from us, that removes the blessings from our home and brings about darkness. Oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness, especially for those sins that we have made part of our life and no longer do we even consider them to be wrong anymore. Oh Allah, we ask you for understanding and discernment. Purify our hearts and cleanse our hearts. Oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. Oh Allah, if we have problems with anybody, allow us to rectify them in this world. Oh Allah, before the day comes when we'll have to pay with our deeds, or we will be lumbered with their sins if we don't have enough deeds. Oh Allah, what will we be doing on that day? Oh Allah, allow us to rectify ourselves from both the hukukullah and the hukukul ibad in, in this life. Oh Allah, allow us to become discerning individuals. Our, protect us from oppressing others and protect us from being oppressed by others. Protect us from slipping ourselves and causing others to slip. Oh Allah, protect us from deviating and causing others to deviate. Oh Allah, this month of Ramadan make better than any month of Ramadan before it. Oh Allah, make us closer to you during this month of Ramadan than we've ever been before. But oh Allah, above all, allow us to remain close to you even after the month. Oh Allah, we ask that you write us to be freed from hellfire in these nights of Ramadan so that we never become eligible for hellfire again. Oh Allah, write us to be decreed of paradise. Oh Allah, bless all of us and bless the Muslimin around the world and bring back humanity to the human beings. Oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that you grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillah.